0: Welcome to episode 4 of Virtually Relevant, put on by the Houston VR community. I'm Eric.
1: I'm Josh. This is Kevin. Hey, I'm William.
0: This is one of our more freeform episodes. We're just going to kind of bounce around through some of the the latest VR happenings. Uh, And probably the biggest happening has been the Oculus Link beta. Who all has been diving in and trying that?
1: Well, we did do it at the last meetup. Uh, Sadly, I did not get a chance to uh check it out since I was running the uh demo on Just the Quest uh but so um so so, so they know uh at the last meetup we actually did a little side by side comparison of the Quest the Quest with Link and the Rift S and we put people through a uh the little first contact demo uh but so since I was doing the Quest I didn't really get time to go through all three of them but did anyone else
2: uh i took a peek in both or in all three um just to try and kind of get a view of like what was different some of i know some of the particle effects and things like that are turned down on the quest only version um but the the main thing i was looking at is okay what's is, is there any discernible notable difference between the quest with link and the rift s um and there didn't seem to be a major one some of the people who were demoing said they noticed like a slight difference in sharpness on the Rift S versus the Quest which would make sense given uh, the information about it taking the the video stream and actually digitizing it into data and then re-uncompressing it on the on the Quest so it's not just like a video feed that it's doing it's actually sending it as data over that cable right um, there's heavier a lot there's, of sense.
0: there's heavier compression around the edges in the peripheral vision Uh, when I was bringing up, uh, the climb over, uh, link on the quest, uh, if you turn your head during the loading screens where the text would shift off center, it got, uh, very soft, very quickly. But I mean, anything that your head was aimed directly at looked, you know, acceptably clear. It certainly wasn't a noticeable degradation in the center.
3: What, uh, what's USB spec does the quest, uh, technically support?
0: It requires 3.0. Uh, John Carmack was saying that they're going to, at some point, hopefully in the next few months, add uh, support for taking full advantage of the, the higher speed in USB 3.1, 3.2. Um, but that that's not going to be here imminently. Um, my biggest takeaway, and these are, you know, we we talked about the, the link back uh, a few months ago, well, a few months ago, a few episodes ago uh, when we tried it at uh, connect and we said that there were things that you just don't get to experience until you you tried it on a wider range of things under your own conditions uh one of the biggest takeaways for me has been that the uh, hit to the frame rate for that uh, re-encoding descended across is a fair bit more significant than i realized it would be Uh, on the lower end stuff like beat saber or first contact, it's not noticeable. If you're putting on something that's really kind of pushing the edges on the graphics, like the climb, uh, I have my graphics set on the climb so that it's smooth on all the levels. And when I put it in there, some levels were smooth and some levels were not hitting frame rate. So, I mean, it was a a moderate hit to the the frame rate and that's not unexpected because it's beta. And, and we assume they're going to clean a lot of that up. Uh, and there's some minor beta annoyances. I mean, if you, recenter the headset and then you take it off and you put it back on again it doesn't remember the direction that you chose things like that but in general assuming you can find a compatible cable that's not a nightmare to use uh it seems like it works pretty well my my first experience was with the cable that was six inches long so my head was literally laying on top of the laptop and i was going yeah i i see it it works i just can't move my head but um people are posting more and more compatible cables on uh, on Reddit and so forth. So there's options.
3: Do you think this is going to take some kind of like individual game optimization, kind of like what NVIDIA does with their game-ready optimized graphics drivers that they release regularly, seeing as how uh, what you're talking about with the climb having not hitting frame rate on certain levels, that maybe there can be some tweaks individually done for at least the major titles?
0: I don't rule it out. Um, my my guess would be that it's it's kind of a flat hit to, to frame rate, and it would be something we could profile and should profile and find out what it's sitting at. But there may be things that are specific to uh, to certain experiences.
2: Well, the biggest thing for me was I, I and I mentioned it in a couple episodes ago was that you know during while playing Stormlands there was some vignetting um, that was kind of bothersome during the demo that we did at Oculus Connect Six. Um, I did not see any of that. There was no, um, there's no letterboxing around the edges when I moved my head back and forth in in first contact. So that was actually a a good thing to me. Um, I didn't notice uh, significant frame drops like you mentioned or frame rate crashes. But uh, I was only in it for a few seconds. I, I didn't want to like tie it up. Um, would you, you know, be willing to
3: have? To would you be willing to have some vignetting or letterboxing to? accommodate and prevent any drop in frame rate
2: yeah 100 Uh, percent. when i actually started playing stormlands like playing the game and not paying attention to what was going on around the edges it completely disappeared for me so if that's what it took to to get it the frame rate up to snuff and really keep things running smoothly i'd be happy to to have that it's it's not really that big a deal unless you're like hyper hyper aware of it and honestly if you're playing you know games that are actually keeping your attention you're you're not really going to notice it in my opinion
0: A thing that it's worth noting is the fact that it's uh rendering out to 72 frames per second which means that uh you should already have some headroom that you can use for the the re-encoding if you know because if you're using a rift s it would normally be rendering at 80 and a, a standard rift would be rendering at 90. Uh, so hopefully as they optimize it they can get it down to the point where you know, the the time that's taken for encoding and uh or the, the the CPU and GPU that's taken for that. And it may be CPU limited rather than GPU limited. We don't know at this point. We're gonna have to do some profiling work. Uh but maybe that can all be masked in that eight to eighteen frames per second that uh you're giving back. There's by the way, they did confirm that the um the first party Oculus cable is fiber optic. Uh and there's yeah. some people that are doing some really interesting work with fiber optic uh, extenders um, where they've got, you know, powered boxes on each end. And this would be more for I'm running a PC in one room and I want to be able to run the headset in a completely different room. Uh, but I mean, the the cable length can be phenomenal on these things, uh, you know, tens or hundreds of meters. Uh, the, the negative is that when it uh, swaps back out from that fiber optic Uh, extender you do have to have a powered box Uh, i don't know if it's something that could be powered off of say um, a battery pack or whether it requires mains power but um, the other thing is that those extenders are not even slightly cheap (laughs) so this isn't something for a casual experiment but it uh, it's interesting use for being able to push things to out to a significantly greater distance because fiber optic is obviously you know moving at the speed of light so it's going to be a lot more tolerant
3: Kind of the conundrum with with something like the Quest, right? Because it's identified as the sort of entry level into VR. It's it's a lot more affordable. But then you tack on something that's not really technically affordable. You bring it back into that realm of more of a niche market, right? Right.
0: But yeah, it... My impression is that it was a very promising beta launch, but it does definitely still feel beta. And until we start getting some some better chords out there, uh, it's it's going to be uh, a little more of a novelty. But I, I think as we get good chords out and they optimize it a bit and clean up some of the beta bugs, that this will actually be a, a really nice use case for the, the quest. Does anybody have a, a significantly different take? No,
1: I, I think I mean, we're probably pretty I much all right on with you.
0: Okay. Uh, one of the other things that we dragged out for the latest meetup uh, the Pimax 5K Plus uh, which is kind of an unusual headset, it's got a very wide field of view, uh, 200 degrees diagonally uh, and about 90 degrees vertically Uh, it does this by fusing kind of standard Fresnel lenses in the center with some additional optics that wrap around to the sides and then has to have a, a custom driver layer to interpret things um, what were people's impressions on that, uh, Kevin?
1: So immediately the thing that stood out to me was there was kind of this weird fovea rendering going on. Uh, we were We were just checking out the basic um, steam home room uh, and looking around outside, the foliage on the trees just went away. Outside of a certain point of view, uh, you know, and it was this perfect little circle. So, so like I said, it was it was almost like a fovea for for rendering certain objects where it just wouldn't blur it. It just took it out completely. So that was very very weird to me.
0: That was weird. I mean, that happened on at kind of the point where the the standard optics shifted over to the extended optics, and I think they're maybe using multi viewport rendering to do the the different distortion profiles. I have no idea why the trees would have no leaves in that (laughs) that additional rendering, (laughs) and it was very strange, but uh, I I guess it gives a little peek into the process. Um,
3: Well, like Kevin was saying, we were just in Steam uh, VR home, right? So there wasn't a lot of detail to really focus on to try to understand the differentiation between the center uh, optics and the outside optics. Right. So you end up trying to look around the room and move your head back and forth and trying to understand where is the difference, where are the lines, um, what makes this unique? What 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 does this add to the experience? I think we would have had a different takeaway had we been in some kind of Pimax bespoke experience that sure. showcased specifically what the 5K Plus does and maybe even down the line we get a 8K Plus. Uh, plus in our hands and run with something that they've they've built or someone that has specifically builds an experience for optimize optimize for that kind of a headset because it is such a unique build I think it, it takes is unusual some, yeah some forethought
0: the um, <clears throat> one of the, the things that struck me I did a bunch of testing with it earlier in the week uh, because of the resolution that you're trying to drive, it is, it is very demanding. Uh, it, is, it is difficult to hit frame rate in a lot of things. I mean, things like Beat Saber and so on are fine, but if you put in something graphically demanding, uh, the, the uh, type of GPU you're going to need jumps significantly. I've been running a lot of our stuff on a 1080, and the 1080 really did not cut it for high-end stuff on this. You really did need to jump it up. On a 2080 or 2080i, I think it would be fine for a lot of things. But uh, the Pi tools allow you to... Uh, a per experience profile where you can say adjust the uh, the field of view down to reduce the demands or adjust the uh, the resolution down um, of course the resolution and the field of view are the two great features of the, the headset so I mean if you dial those back too much you kind of wonder why you have it but right. like,
2: uh, oh yeah let me this isn't working right let me turn off the whole reason for having this headset right. over any other that is did kind of odd awesome.
0: how do people feel about the balance because i mean you you get the additional field of view you know very wide field of view um at the cost of some fairly significant distortion at the the outer edges how How were people's comfort levels on that, and how did people feel about that being uh, a positive or a negative trade off?
2: Well, the first thing I noticed when I popped the headset on was was rings, yeah, um, yeah. which is not i mean. It's something that you typically see when you look into the headset, but not when you actually have it on. In most headsets, like in the Vive and some others, um, unless there was like issues where there was a dark uh, a dark screen with a white logo or vice versa, um, you'd you'd sometimes see those those rings uh, for the Fresnel lenses. But it was very present for me on the on the 5K, um, which was just immediately throwing me off. I'm sure it fades away once you actually start playing and get used to it, but coming from the Rift S and the Rift and the and the Vive and the Quest, um, putting that headset on was just like very uh, interesting because yeah, the the rings on that thing were very notable for me.
3: Where would you see yourself using it? What what kind of positive use cases would you see for it?
2: That's the problem for me is I'm trying to think of like okay, where would this headset be more useful than? say a rift s or an index right because uh what's the what's the retail on 5k pluses i think it's Uh, 800 uh, 800. it's just yeah
0: 800 just for the headset no hand trackers no base stations
2: okay so comparatively we're talking uh five pro or index yeah so i mean i don't really know um Maybe some sort of specific like first responder training where you know your peripheral vision is is necessary to like give you early warning on something, and you like specifically play to that. But I can't honestly think of like where it is any better to have that field of view at the costs that come with it than say an index or a Vive Pro.
0: Let me throw this out there: the guy that we bought it from. What he was using it for was a a very high-end Formula One racing simulator. And he said that the benefit there was that, you know, you got to see things in your peripheral vision. You know, cars coming up next to you or, you know, things like that. And the blur at the edges didn't bother him as much because when you're driving at high speed, the sides are a little blurry anyway. So it right. was a pretty good balance for him. Uh, he sold it because he's going to buy a Pimax, or well, he's already purchased a Pimax AK Plus, but it hasn't shipped yet. Uh, but that was a, a use case where he said, you know, having more peripheral vision was very useful.
2: And in the meantime, he's using an index, right? That's correct, yes. Right. So, I mean, that, that kind of gives you an idea of, at least in his particular use case, the peripheral. Uh, vision wasn't necessarily more valuable over something like the index and the index retails for the same headset just the headset yeah at 500 so um i mean there's pros and cons to every headset let's be honest like every headset is going to have its own like they're going to be better for this or that um but in this case i'm just like obviously the peripheral vision is is useful for formula one racing you being able to see your mirrors being able to kind of see the cars coming up on the side of you like you said um but if he's you know if he's using an index in between now and when the 8k arrives it, it kind of speaks to how how much more valuable was that to him right as opposed to just rendering what the index renders getting that performance boost more than likely right um And and, and still getting that high quality.
0: I'll throw out two more features of the headset that seem notable to me. One is it is startlingly lightweight, given the fact that it's got the the two screens and the the wide field of view. Um, I haven't measured it directly against some of the other headsets, but it actually felt lighter than most of them to me, which was definitely a positive. Uh, a significant negative, though, was there is no uh, audio solution for it. Uh, it does have a, a headphone jack on the headset, so you can you know, plug something in there, which is definitely better than having to run it back to the PC. But uh, we've gotten a little spoiled with integrated headset solutions. You could probably doctor up um, a mod using the Deluxe Audio Strap or something, which would work pretty well. But it uh, it was a little strange having a, a high-end headset like that without a um, an audio solution.
3: Another thing I'd, I'd be interested to test with it, um, considering that the screens are canted and they're yes. larger, that potentially it might dissipate heat a little bit better than flat panels that are uh, right up on your face. That's because true. Because there's a little bit more room for them to technically breathe away from your your the front of your face. But using the headset for a longer period of time is what I'm getting at. That might be right. worth
0: measuring, and it's something we could measure.
2: Yeah, so. eric so you said the the guy who you got this from uh was using it for a simulator do you want to talk a little bit about that because the pictures we saw looked pretty amazing
0: yeah uh this was a truly spectacular setup I, I'm actually hoping to get the guy out to speak at the meetup and maybe we can get him on the podcast he uh, put together his own uh custom-built uh, formula one racing simulator that uh, had hydraulics on all four edges that I think 10 inches of play so that you know as you're you know, tilting into the turns or going across rough road surfaces. You felt that it had um, subwoofers and transducers in the back, in the seat and in the feet. So you'd feel the engine rumble and feel the road. It had um, retractors. You had a, 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 an actual racing seatbelt harness and it had retractors on. it. So when you hit the brakes hard, it would actually yank the seatbelt to pull you back into the seat. It had a series of fans which were linked to your driving speed since f1's open cockpit you get the wind and so the faster you go the more wind you get which was really kind of incredible and then you get the you know a high-end uh force feedback steering wheel uh it was really remarkable um it was i mean i was in it for about an hour uh doing you know uh laps and I was really, really impressed. I mean, you, if you drifted around a corner, you actually felt the tire slip. And I mean, when you shifted gears, you'd, you'd feel it. Uh, so it was by far the most realistic driving simulation I've ever seen. And it was a really incredible rig that he'd put together. Um, but I definitely like to have him, I, I would very much like to have him bring it out, but it is a beast. I think he said it was 650 pounds. So it's not something you casually take to the meetup, but, um, it was a uh, it was a truly impressive bit of kit.
3: That's something I'd like to bring up for our listeners, if this is something that would be interesting to y'all out there, that maybe we could do on-site video recording of a podcast sometime or a stream or something along those lines. Oh, that would be cool. So not necessarily having to move or lug around this giant simulator, we could go on location, do a little recording, and talk about it in person. That would be great.
2: Yeah, let us know if that's something you're interested in seeing. Um, So, in other news, obviously, uh, most recently, uh, we saw that Facebook bought the company that made Beat Saber. Um, So, they trotted them out during Oculus Connect 6, which made a lot of sense. Beat Saber has been the game that has sold a thousand ships um, (laughs) for them. It basically sold hundreds of thousands of quests, I'm sure. At this point, um, just for Beat Saber, I, I would not be shocked if that were the case. Um, they've got huge names involved, uh, you know, bands that they're they're collaborating with and everything. So it makes a lot of sense for Facebook to acquire them, given that they are, you know, that it, Facebook has acquired studios in the past. they they're no, uh, they're not shy about saying, "Hey, you guys make really good content. Let's go ahead and buy you, bring you in house, and see what we can do." And with Facebook spinning up their Horizon and some of their other projects, it makes sense that they would want to put them on uh, other projects uh, internally. But do you think that this means we're seeing the end of Beat Saber, or at least a change in Beat Saber? Will we ever see a, a sequel? Or uh, you know, if Facebook's um, founder CEO retention rate is not very high for <laughs> no. companies they acquire.
3: I, th- I think we'll see a, a a diversion away from them turning a blind eye to the modding of Beat Saber. I think that yeah, might get a little more stringent. Yeah,
2: which is interesting. I mean, I I understand why, but that is literally the feature that sold Beatsaver in the early days. The fact that you could get your own tracks and, and do all these things and shared all these, you know, everyone's sharing videos of, oh, there's this track and it's really awesome, and then somebody goes and downloads it. Um, and I understand why Facebook would want to monetize that process. Um, and to some degree, they, they've done that already, by releasing these sound these song packs. Um, but it kind of opens the door for some of these other games that are also beat-related to say, hey, you know, we're not getting bought by Facebook, and we're we're going to always allow you to do your own thing. Which, in some ways, it's it's music piracy. It's it's kind <laughs> of an issue. Um, but if the market has a need, the the market's going to fill it. I mean, is so. it
3: technically music piracy? The, what Guitar Hero used to do in the past when they couldn't get rights to a song, they would have it as made famous by so and so, and then they'd have an internal right. band that would. Sing it close enough. I mean, right. I think they would perform the song, right? So I think we could figure out a way that's a happy medium. Or if if nothing else, please don't try to sell us, you know, Beat Saber two and three and seventeen, just to sell us another song pack. I mean, I think I'd almost go with keeping Beat Saber as a kind of a platform or rolling in a Horizons, kind of like you were alluding to, um, that became a great feature that I'd be happy, I think, to pay a nominal fee to get access to my favorite bands and songs and be able to play them whenever I want.
2: Right, I mean, games like Rock Band do that already. You buy per song, you buy per album, they run specials and things like that. Um, but yeah, it, it it would be interesting. And I we're seeing a lot of games in the gaming industry being switched over to the games-as-a-service platform. Um, and it would make sense that if Beat Saber went that direction, that's how it would go. Um, so really time will tell
0: it's possible that part of the reason that they got picked up was that Facebook has got the, the clout and the money to court some of the bigger names and, and maybe get some deals to do some additional music packs. I mean, they've done what imagine dragons and panic at the disco. Um, right. I mean, if they're wanting to bring a lot of other artists on board, then it might make sense to have, you know, Facebook kind of power behind it. But, um, I, I, I did sigh just a little bit because I've, I've never seen a, a startup that got picked up by a major like Facebook uh, that kept its magic over time. <laughs> they always right. they always pick them up with the, the understanding, oh, we're not going to mess with your secret sauce. We're going to let you guys run things exactly the way you always have. You just have an unlimited budget now. And three years later, everyone's quit because they tried to force them into the corporate mold and make them denizens and it just right. doesn't go well
2: and that's not specifically a knock on facebook no I mean, microsoft any does major. that yes. sony does that like every major software development company activision <clears throat> you know all these companies they they're beholden to stakeholders and things like that that startups aren't and so there's a lot of things that end up happening um palmer and, you know, lucky i mean <laughs> do, <right>. yes <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so, if you read right, I don't want to I don't uh, want to I don't of the wanna future, there's a the lot po- there. politics there, right? I, yeah. Right. There's I, I, a I really lot of stuff that goes on there.
3: As like uh, Beat Games An example. was made by three people, right? So that right. there's it's pretty likely that they will be around maybe to consult on the the future of right. it. Right. But I I think the core feature of what makes Beats what makes Beatsaver and a great IP and what it does for VR can carry over regardless of who's at the helm. I just hope that whatever ends up happening, that they're good stewards.
0: Right. That's the hope. Well,
2: So that, I mean, that brings up a good, a good sort of transition. So I, you know, I talked about Microsoft and and Sony have similar histories. Um, And, so apparently the head of Xbox said that nobody's asking for VR. Did anybody <laughs> yeah. hear about this? <laughs> yeah, I heard that. So it's been like a constant question. Nobody will. When is that, when is Microsoft going to put VR in, 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 in Xbox? Which was something that they talked about back on the uh, Xbox One when the Rift was first kind of coming about. It was like this big thing. And then, oh, well, that feature never really you know manifested and so then it was like oh well the the new one the 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 Project Scarlet I mean maybe that'll have it and suddenly the president comes out and says yeah nobody's really asking for VR we don't really think that's uh that's going anywhere meanwhile Sony's over here saying yeah no this is 100% the future and that you know this we've had a headset and we're we're you know bringing future headsets um so it's kind of one of those interesting things that uh, that Xbox fans might end up getting left out in the cold on the VR front of, you know,
0: right. No, trying I
2: mean, to get, to get
0: something. It's it's interesting because I mean, as you said, Sony's is, is going all in. At least if some of the patents and rumors we're seeing going by uh, for you know the next generation PlayStation VR, if, if even half of them are correct, then they are doing some really interesting and exciting things. And Sony's clearly all in. Um, so for Microsoft to say, "Well, no one's asking for it," seems a little bit absurd. Uh, we don't care to go that direction. We don't think the trade-offs are right. We don't think the time is right. Sure, but no one's asking for it. Just uh, feels unnecessarily nasty and and incorrect. <laughs> right.
3: Well, it just comes off as tone deaf, right? Yeah. Right. Just, it's it's ostracizing an entire segment of the market. I mean, you you could say there aren't a lot of our customers asking for it, but to just yeah. flat out say no one is asking for it. And we might be nitpicking here, right? But right. like you brought up, Will, that, that Sony is saying this is definitely the future. I mean, one of my favorite commercials from Sony uh, about the PlayStation platform was their PS2, PS9 in the beginning commercial. If you look it up on YouTube, PS9 in the beginning. It's this whole idea that in, in the far uh, future of when playstation 9 is coming out it'll be this interface directly with your brain and a neural interface where you're living inside the experience and we're kind of seeing that now right into the ps5 generation they're almost on point (laughs) with with this idea that we're getting more immersed in the experience we're having a greater feel of what it's like to be completely involved in it and to say that that's not where the technology is going, I think is short sighted.
1: And to, uh, to well, I, I did look into it a little bit. And uh, apparently, that's not exactly what he said. He was a little bit more on the side of, well, no, that there didn't seem to be enough real pickup on, on VR. To warrant them to actually start developing for VR, uh, I I think the the quote was millions upon millions of headsets being sold is kind of you know what what they're going by you know and because millions upon millions of headsets have not been sold then they're just kind of putting it on the back burner uh, but you know I I do remember the stories of people getting their cv1s their launch cv1s and plugging it up to their xboxes <laughs> and it, it would it displayed the image it's just it kind of acted as uh two uh two screens that were extended so right. you know it, it wasn't overlaid or anything like that it was acting as two screens that were extended you know so obviously it was completely unusable Right. Uh, un- right, unless you decided to close one eye at a time. Uh, I mean, it's it's but, valid for for Microsoft
0: to say, okay, we're we're not going to be the leaders on this. We're going to be you know, the followers once it's been established. Um, I mean, that the market needs people who are going to. You know, push the state-of-the-art and people who come in once it's been established. And it's worth remembering that Sony has been on board since the early days. I was at the very first Oculus Connect, and I got in an elevator and looked around and recognized the people from the the Project Morpheus team, which was what the internal code name was for the PlayStation VR uh, before it was officially announced. I said, you guys are, you know, Sony's VR team, right? And they said, yeah. I said, well, what are you doing here? And they, said, they invited us. And, I mean there there was a real sense of community and there were, you know, true believers that were acting, you know, and, and doing research early on, um, you know, at Sony, even, even all the way back in the, uh, DK one, DK two days. So, um, you know, they're, they're obviously kind of taking a more leadership position and, and Microsoft is going to be there once the market's proven itself, I guess.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of what they've, I mean, xbox dominated last generation the 360 outsold everything and anything that came around um with the exception of the wii because that was a weird anomaly uh that nintendo was trying to replicate but so far they've yet to um but this generation ps4 has really held on to a pretty decent lead over xbox um, two to one is yeah. apparently wow. what it is Yeah, so it's interesting that Xbox, you know, that Microsoft isn't looking at that and saying, okay, like, with this new generation, we need to bring out all the stops. We need to, you know, we need to hit everything that everyone, you know, is asking for. Um, And they're not at least matching um, what PlayStation is doing. I mean, when you think about the fact that, like, it's weird because... Sony had the PlayStation Eye, which was this terrible webcam thing for the PlayStation Two, um, but it was it gave this sort of you you kind of had some motion gaming in that, and then when the Xbox 360 came out uh, not too long later, you got the Kinect. I was like, okay, now this is better than that PlayStation Eye. And then PS4 came out, and they had and and Xbox they had the Kinect Two. PS4 came out with the PlayStation Camera, and so they they were trying to keep neck and neck, and then. PlayStation brought out the, the VR headset, the PSVR. And Xbox. The, the Xbox team kind of was just like, that's cool. Um, we're not going to do that. And then now it seems like maybe that's the way they're leaning, especially if they're the uh, something that just occurred to me. Maybe they're trying to play you know, play possum on it and say, oh, no, we're not working on anything. And, you know, the Xbox 5 now with Oculus Rift support or something. Insane. Right. Well, that could uh, happen. We may never know until it's actually, it's actually happening.
1: Um, Kevin, you were going to say something. Um, I, it, it seems like it was just more poorly worded, uh, for the most part, because you know, they are well, Microsoft, not Xbox, but Microsoft is still, I, I would say they're pretty much the leader in AR with the hololens and now they're coming out with the hololens too so it's kind of odd to see that they're so into that side of it but just kind of completely playing off the vr side of it and not really showing it any support so it's kind of a weird little dynamic there
0: They're, they're two very different market segments i mean microsoft's targeting on enterprise partners which is where the the hololens lives is, is kind of a, a very different division of the company, but I definitely get what you're saying.
2: Right. Yeah, and, and I did see a, a headline er, earlier today that said that VR is apparently really important to the Microsoft Simulator team for their next edition. Um, they're trying oh. to bake in VR support for that. I mean, oh. that'll be on the PC side of things, yeah. so it's not particularly so shocking, but... Yeah. Um, you know, obviously there is this dichotomy inside the company itself of whether or not VR is is a viable option and then you've got Windows MR like it, Microsoft has a tendency to like throw everything in the wall and see what sticks they've got the money they've got the time they're not really worried about oh are we gonna run out of funding um, especially with the way they charge for Windows and office nowadays <laughs> but you know they, they kind of just throw it out there and say, okay, let's see. And if it fails, it fails, and they don't really have to worry because they've always got windows to fall back on. That's true. Um, but shifting gears, um, <laughs> something, you know, I want to make a joke here about being put out to pasture, but I have no <laughs> I have no jokes. So, Josh, what's this thing about cows in VR I hear?
3: Okay, yeah. So this is, as we talked about in, in before the show, this is completely... Unfounded claims and, comp- and <laughs> absolutely could be just Photoshop or a PR scheme or, or, or who knows what it is these viral days. But there is some news out there about potentially there are some Russian farmers experimenting with putting their cows in VR to help them with stress and anxiety and potential claims that it is helping milk production because of their ability to control what environment that the cows perceive that's part of this whole new push not not unfounded this is a a push globally to put more focus and attention on the the well-being of our our farm animals right so there's there's some validity in the the idea but it is just such a an outlandish idea and is so strange to see a cow with wearing a VR headset.
0: We we've seen animals legitimately put in in VR before. Uh, I mean, I've seen video footage of a chimpanzee in VR that was responding well to it. Um, I'm going to be a little more dubious than usual on the cow front. And the reason is because cows eyes are situated so far on the sides of their head and are so far separated. You would really have to build something extremely custom to to make that work and you'd also have to have a very different distortion and rendering profile because the viewports are aiming in very different directions than they would be on a human so while it's definitely technically possible it seems like a pretty heavy lift for an uh sort of an offbeat happened in russia sort of story
2: well, it sounds like. Uh, do you remember the image that was going around a while back of the cow, the the chickens in VR, the <laughs> <Yes. big laughs> funnel things? Yeah. Yes. Like they're they're out at a farm in reality. They're like sitting in the coop. So, right. I mean, like like Josh mentioned, this this is all kind of unsubstantiated rumor stuff. So this could all be a moot point. No. Oh god,
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I can't believe you went. Gotta there. get the dad joke in there.
2: <laughs> Look, I couldn't make the pasture joke. I had to come up with something. So. Well, okay, so dad jokes. We'll put you that's a the good passion. segue. <laughs> that's a good segue. Um, I'm sure we're all gonna be spending time with family. We're recording this a couple days before Thanksgiving here in the US. So uh everybody's gonna be spending time with family, probably taking their quests or their, their PC headsets if they're or maybe hosting. Um, so the question is for family members who haven't experienced VR or who you wanna Get them to spend some time in what you know the current VR uh, hardware. What's your go-to demo? Like, what's a few good ones that some of the listeners could put their family members through, or, or if they're just interested in, in checking it out, what's some things that people should should uh, give a shot?
3: Oh, I just want to throw out the first time I know someone that's getting into VR, and they, especially for older family members like my mom, the first time I put her in a VR, hands down, it was Google Earth. It's the most unobtrusive. I feel like it's it invites you to explore and have that sense of awe and wonder, especially when you first zoom out and look at the Earth from above, as if you're in the ISS or something, look, looking down on Earth. Going to anywhere on the planet, and it really doesn't overencumber the senses, right? It doesn't throw you around on a roller coaster ride. It doesn't throw a bunch of loud noises or or music or or any of that kind of stuff and it allows people to experience vr in kind of a the right tempo i feel
2: like right sort of their own pace and and they're in control of what they're doing and what they're seeing which which makes sense especially because you can say oh here's you know one of the things that always happens when you put people in google earth is oh i want to go to my childhood home right and they see how much has changed
3: a friend of mine actually w- broke down in tears because she uh, had to flee her, her home, childhood home because of civil war. And so she actually got to go back and, and see it for the first time since she was five. Right. And it was a, an emotional experience for her that really had an impact.
0: Tilt Brush is a, another really good choice. If you have anyone that has any sort of artistic inclination, uh, just being able to paint in three dimensions is a revelation for a lot of people. And kids, frankly, love it. I mean, they'll they'll sketch stuff in. Um, I've, I've never seen a kid that did not unabashedly take to, to sketching things out in three dimensions in Tilt Brush.
3: Also, passing the headset around, right? You yeah. can, Like, all right. paint the same thing. Right. Like, tell right. a story by everybody getting to try paint a different part of it.
2: Yeah. So I have a 7 year old um and he loves 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 Fruit Ninja. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Space Pirate Trainer in VR. Like those are his two go-tos and if he asks to play VR he's like, "You know, can we set up the VR?" I'm like, "Yeah, we can do it." Um it's like number one guaranteed he's, he wants to jump into Space Pirate Trainer cuz it's very fun. Um and then once he either gets tired of that or he's losing whatever the case, he's like, "All right, I want I want to do Fruit Ninja." Um, which makes a lot of sense. It carries over from mobile gaming and everything. So, um, those are those are very good if you're if you're letting younger kids. Beat Saber is also another one. Um, he likes that as well. Obviously, pretty much everybody, every age, loves Beat Saber. Not really shocking there. Um, and it's it's always just fun to to watch people start to get the hang of it and really get into the rhythm aspect of Beat Saber. Um, uh,
0: I'll also say that Beat Saber seems to cross generations more than you would expect uh, right. I know quite a lot of people who are in their you know 60s and, and above that enjoy the heck out of uh, Beat Saber
2: well talk about Acrons.
0: oh that's a good call
2: yeah so we brought this up a couple episodes ago but Uh, if you're going to be hanging out with multiple family members, Thanksgiving Day, Christmas, etc., there's that game Akron, um, which is super fun, and one of the things that I love about it is the fact that everybody can play all at once. Um, It is one person in the headset, and then everyone else on their mobile phones. You download the free app, you put in the room code, and suddenly everybody's playing the same game, and then you can rotate through that. We all did that at Oculus Connect 6. It was a blast, and... Oh uh, man, if I had a Quest, I'm and I was taking it to Thanksgiving, <laughs> I would probably be doing that yeah. at Thanksgiving because it's just it's a boatload of fun, and everybody has pretty much everybody has a phone that can run it, so right, um, it, it's it's worth it's worth the twenty dollars, and I and it I'm pretty sure we checked it is cross compatible vers uh, across yes. Rift and Quest, so if you get it for one, you have it for both, um, and twenty dollars is is a, is a is a done deal price tag on that thing.
0: One thing I'll throw out there, if you are throwing a quest in a backpack to take with you to Thanksgiving, throw a Chromecast in there too. Um, yeah. It's, you know, you got one person's got a headset on. Nobody can see what they're seeing. That's not as exciting. If you hook up uh, a Chromecast to the TV and cast to that so everyone can see what they're doing, then everybody gets into the the action and gets very excited.
3: Right. Another game that's, really that's along the same lines of Akron's is uh, Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes. It's a really mm. fun... Classic group game Um, it's been around for a while now and for those of you not not familiar with it it's the person in the vr headset is going to be defusing a bomb they're just going to be presented with anywhere between i think two and eight different kind of puzzles that they have to describe verbally to the people outside of the experience this is something where you wouldn't use a chromecast because right the visuals would give it away right that everybody outside is either on their phone or if you want to really go all out you can print the 30-page manual um which is a little it sounds excessive but it's part of the game where they have the everybody that's outside of the VR experience has to determine what puzzle that the person in VR is looking at to determine how you know do you cut the red wire do you cut the blue wire do you twist the knob do you move the dial, what do you have to do in order to prevent the bomb from um, exploding?
0: As, as one of my favorite games, and I would a, throw a strong vote in for going ahead and printing the manual and bringing it with you because uh, reading some of the detail on a, a phone screen can be really challenging, especially under time pressure. Plus, there's just something uh, sort of thematically satisfying about rifling through papers uh, feverishly trying to find the right page. It's also handy Absolutely. if you print
2: it on like single sided instead of doing like double sided, yes. which yes. you can hand the sheets out like sections and then right. you're like, Grandma, what do I do if there's a blue wire and the serial number starts with an odd number? Right. And then, you know, grandma has a conniption fit about not being able to find <laughs> it and you didn't print <laughs> oh, it. Oh no, grandma's asleep. Right. <laughs> oh no, grandma's asleep. We're doomed. Right. Yeah, so obviously you know there there's that aspect of it i i do recommend splitting that 30 page manual amongst a few uh players yeah, so that spreads out the fun
0: and day after thanksgiving is black friday and we've got some vr deals for black friday who's got some good deals
2: so i did see um if you are hankering for the quest that uh there's no discount on the quest. Sorry. Um, they just came out with it. I didn't really expect them to discount it very much, maybe 50 bucks if that. Um, but instead you're getting Vader immortal, um, which is by all accounts, a pretty awesome game. Um, I believe you get all three chapters so far. Uh, if you act, if you buy the quest and or activate it, I think into January is what I saw on the fine print there. Yeah. Um, so there's that. um, Josh, you had said $50, something about PSVR. Uh, oh,
3: go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say that, that uh, we're the same family of, of hardware. There's $50 off the Rift S. Um, and then with the PSVR, there's going to be $100 off their five-game bundle. So normally to get a PSVR, uh, you would typically get this bundle because you want games to go along with it. And that's typically $300. Right now Best Buy has that for uh, 199 which is if you have a PlayStation and you're remotely interested in VR, I definitely recommend picking that
0: up. Yeah, especially because there are some genuinely good VR titles that are exclusive to the PlayStation VR. Um, I'm, I'm a little frustrated that I can't play uh, the, the Resident Evil VR game, and there's this other one that's uh, it's it's sort of a, a paper folded uh, aesthetic to. It. I don't remember the name of it. But it looks really amazing, and it's also an exclusive. There's some good games out there for it. Yeah. Specifically,
2: that five pack bundle um, for the listeners comes with PlayStation Worlds, which is a collection of s- sort of tech demos, um, Skyrim VR, Astrobot, which uh, got tons of great reviews, Resident Evil 7 VR, which by a new couch, we talked about that <laughs> on our previous episode, and everybody's golf VR, which I have not played, have not heard anything about, but golfing VR kind of works. Uh, I remember playing. Uh, Cloudlands mini golf in yeah. on the Vive pre four years ago at this point five years ago I don't know forever yeah. ago and it was fun um, so yeah I mean there's something for everybody in that game pack so it's definitely worth uh, a pickup if you already have a PS4 and you're looking to extend the life of that console while you wait on the PS5.
0: There there aren't a lot of situations where I would recommend the Oculus Go specifically at this point but uh, most places are also knocking fifty dollars off the Oculus Go this this holiday.
2: Right, so that brings it down to $99 for the 32-gigabyte version and 149 for the uh, the 64-gigabyte version. Right. Yeah. yeah,
1: 64. All righty. And then also it's not exactly a Black Friday, but if you buy seemingly anything from uh, the Index, either the headset or the... Just the controllers or the uh, the whole thing uh, that will come with Half Life Alex whenever it launches. Right. And I. Right. I believe it's until mid January. I I could be wrong on that, but I, I think you have until about mid January. Which I'm not to sure to we talked that. about that. I was going to say we yeah, haven't actually talked about Half
2: Life Alex. That's pretty big news. So we got Half Life Half Life. Two Half-Life Two Chapter One Chapter Two Half-Life Three not confirmed. We've got Half-Life VR. So um, Half-Life Alex is. Did they give any information away as far as timeline? Is it before yes. two? It is before two. Yes. Before two. So Half-Life One yes. Point Five. Yep. Um, let's call it One Point Three just to <laughs> yeah. let's they can't. <laughs> they they got to give a head, some headroom for like you know Alex Chapter One Chapter Two etc. Um, but it looks like an incredible VR game. Um, everyone's really super excited about it in terms of like, what it's going to do to advance the medium because Valve is officially you know, stepping into the VR content ring beyond the lab and, and uh, the VR hands demo that comes with the index. So um, it's going to be interesting. The, the trailer is online right now. Just Google Half-Life Alex A-L-Y-X. Um, and you can see it for yourself it looks really interesting looks really fun as a lifelong gamer and a fan of that series i am super excited to see what it's going to look like and what it's going to do i don't know that it'll be the thing that pushes me into getting an index but i will try to get my hands on a, a set of well, the 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 knuckles so that i can at least experience it in its full glory
3: but that's one of the things though right you don't absolutely have to have an index to no, be that's able correct. to play it cross-platform of support. Right.
0: And right, And all of the, all... the hand-tracking features that they're doing, the, there are things that you can only do uh, using the, the well, it used to be called the Knuckles controllers, the Valve Index controllers, but uh, they are all optional. So you're, it's not going to significantly impact gameplay. It just adds an additional you know layer of depth to it.
3: So I think uh, after a decade of waiting for a Half-Life game, uh, I'm pretty stoked that it just happens to be in one of the industries that I'm very passionate about.
2: All right. Well, I think we've covered everything currently, uh, going on. Um, everyone who's listening, stay tuned. We've got probably another one of our deep dives coming up for the next episode. Um, happy Thanksgiving to everyone who's celebrating it. Um, go out, get some Black Friday deals on VR and we hope you, uh, enjoy this holiday with your families. And if you don't have families, uh, you know, just stay warm, stay safe and, We hope to see you for the next episode. Everybody take care. Bye, everybody. See you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Virtually Relevant. This podcast is produced by the leaders and community members of Houston Viewer. We'd just like to take a moment to invite everyone to our Patreon page. Our team spends countless hours and resources to make sure we bring you the best content, the newest innovations, and create awesome events for our community. Please consider becoming a patron today and lending your support to ensure that we're able to continue providing the content and experiences you want. Visit patreon.com slash HoustonVR and become a member today.